So we have been continuing and going through our series entitled Created for Worship, and we're going to continue. We're on week four this morning, and the reason we've done this series called Created for Worship is because we want to answer the questions, is what we do on Sunday morning worth it? Does it matter? Does it make a difference? And it has been our prayer from the beginning that as we go through this series, that this series on worship would produce such a culture of worship here at Coral Ridge that we could not imagine going a week without it. That Sunday mornings does truly become the high point of our week. It becomes the thing that we cannot imagine going another week without. So we are continuing our series on created for worship by looking at a Psalm of David Psalm 32, and it's in this Psalm of David where he confesses before God his longing and his need for forgiveness. And so hear these words, Psalm of David, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your heavy hand was upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found Surely in the rush of the great waters, they shall not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in the heart. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. I recently came across an article that outlined for us a a list of things to do before you die. Some might call it a bucket list. And the list was pretty typical. There was nothing that was abnormal about the list. It had your typical things to do before you die, such as run a marathon, take up the piano, skydive, get a PhD, go on a safari, ride a hot air balloon, travel through Europe, take a cruise, visit the Grand Canyon, go experience the pyramids of Giza, hike the Appalachian Trail. Some things that there's some people in this room that might have done one of the things on that list. But the one thing on the list, the one thing on that list of things to do before you, you die that caught my attention was this, to be forgiven. You see, every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, longs to be forgiven. And how many people in our lives, family members, friends, colleagues, people we know in our, li- in our lives that go through their entire life longing to be forgiven, longing to ask for forgiveness, at, that die and never have that opportunity. 
You see, the longing to be forgiven is something that whether we believe in God or not is something that we all long for. It's the longing for forgiveness, the longing to be forgiven. But what I want us to see this morning and what I want us to see in this passage, that before you can have the forgiveness that you long for, that true forgiveness must always be accompanied by true confession. You see, when we pause in our worship services and have a time of confession, as we did this morning, you might ask yourself, well, that just is something that they used to do many years ago, that it's, it's passed down the, the traditions of church history, and that's why we do it. But we fail to understand the relevance of why we have a time of confession in our worship service. But what I want us to walk away from this morning is that our time of confession together the confession of the people of God that leads to the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness that you long for, that the time of confession might be one of the most relevant things you do, not only on Sunday morning, but your entire week. Because it is the true confession of God to God, the true confession of the people of God that can only lead to the forgiveness that you long for, the forgiveness that I long for. And I want us to look in Psalm 32 briefly this morning at three things that impress upon us the importance of confession, the importance of confessing our sins before God. Three things that we see here in Psalm 32, a, a prayer, a psalm of confession that impresses upon us the necessity of confession before God. See, the first thing that we see in Psalm 32 is we see the acknowledgement of the destructive nature of sin. The first thing that we see here in Psalm 32 is David acknowledging the destructive reality of sin in his life. In verse 1, he uses language like transgressions. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. We hear that word, we see that word, but what does it really mean? He acknowledges that his sin is a transgression. You see, the word transgression is, means rebellious self-assertion. Rebellious self-assertion. You see, we are all born as transgressors. And the transgressions that we commit, we see here, is this an unholy, unhealthy ambition that we all have. This selfish ambition to make a name for ourselves, make a way for ourselves. It is the type of life that is lived that says, nobody will get in my way and nobody will tell me what to do. You see, the rebellious self-assertion that is defined here as transgression is David's way of saying that when we sin and when we transgress against God, that it is our active inclination to break things. You see, our selfish, our selfish ambitions lead us to break things. What do we break? We tend to break rules and promises and relationships and even our own well-being. It's important that we understand the definition of transgression there. David is saying that every, everywhere I go and everything I touch, that I have the propensity to break things, to wreak havoc, havoc and cause havoc in my life and in the lives of others. Rebellious self-assertion that nobody tells me what to do and nothing gets in my way. You see, it was David confessing before God that he could have an honest open acknowledgement of the destructive nature of sin on his life and on the lives of others. That we have the capacity and the propensity to break things and to wreak havoc everywhere we go and with everything that we touch. 
And this is the reason we need to hide. And this is the reason we need to run for cover. You see, what, what also happens here in, in chapter 32, Psalm 32 in, in verses 3 and 4, it says what happens when we understand the gravity of our sin, when we acknowledge the destructive reality of our sin. It says, when I kept silent in verse 3, basically meaning when I failed to confess my sin, when I failed to make confession to God, what happened? My bones wasted away. Groaning followed me all day long. Day and night, in verse 4, your heavy hand was upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. What David is acknowledging, when I fail to confess my sin, when I fail to acknowledge the destructive reality of sin in my life, it's as if I'm dying. He said he felt himself as a man that was dying drying up and wasting away. He's willing and he's able through the confession of to God, the honest confession of his sin, to admit and to acknowledge that the sin in my life is killing me. The hiding and the covering and the running, the failure and the lack of freedom to be open and honest about the sin that is crushing me, that it was the hand of God that was even heavier. The hand of God was crushing me and weighing me down. And we all know that weight of that hand. You might even be feeling it this morning. The weight of the heavy hand of God for those that are running and hiding. You feel it and I feel it. The heavy hand of God weighing us down. It's interesting. When I talk to people about life, and about relationships. I don't care whether they believe in God. I don't care whether they're an atheist. I don't care whether they are agnostic. I can always get them to at least admit and acknowledge there is something wrong. There is something broken. They might not call it sin, but at least they acknowledge there is something wrong with my life and your life and relationships and the world. There is brokenness. And so I tell people all the time, people that say outside of the church or maybe sometimes even inside the church, Pastor, you can't talk about sin. The people won't come back. Or, or you can't talk about sin because it's going to offend somebody. I say, to not talk about sin is like to not talk about reality on Sunday morning. To talk about sin is acknowledging that we live in a real world with real people, with real problems, with real brokenness. To not talk about sin in our lives on Sunday morning in worship, in our lives in community with others, is not to acknowledge the ultimate reality that we all are faced with in life. It's through the confession of God that David acknowledges the destructive reality of sin that you are faced with, that I'm faced with, that our every relationship is faced with, that our entire world is faced with. But not only do we see an acknowledgement of the destruction of sin, we also see a realignment of standards. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 5. David cries out in verse 5 and he says, I acknowledge my sin before the court of public opinion. No. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. Later on in verse 5, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. In Psalm 51 that we read earlier, what does David say? Against you and you alone did I sin. You see, when the people of God confess 
before God, when we have an honest confession about the sin in our lives, it is a realignment of standards that we are reminded that the one who we have ultimately offended, the one that we have ultimately brought offense to, is not just the person sitting to our left or to our right, that we have ultimately offended God. We have ultimately offended the holiness of God. You see, his standard of holiness and morality went from here to here. It went through the roof. And then he realized, no, it's against you, God, and you alone have I sinned, and that I will acknowledge my sin before you, not the court of public opinion. You see, Jiminy Cricket was wrong. Jiminy Cricket was wrong when he said, let your conscience be your guide. No, your conscience can never be your guide, because your conscience will always lead you astray. No, my guide has to be the holiness of God. It must be God himself that shows us our sin and shows us his holiness and shows us that he is God and we are not. And what do we see happen here as a result when our standards are realigned and we realize, understand the holiness of God? What's the result? The end of verse 5, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. If anybody has a translation, just a side note, that has anything other than forgave the iniquity of my sin, I want you to circle it, cross it out, and put iniquity. Some translations might have guilt in there, and that's not correct. And this is why many people have translated this verse incorrectly, thinking iniquity of my sin seems redundant. No, it's redundant for a reason. It could be translated, and he forgave the sin of my sin. He forgave the iniquity of my sin. Or he forgave the sinfulness of my sin. You see, when David understood the standard of holiness and perfection, David began to see, I'm much worse off than I ever realized. What David said, I need forgiveness, not just for my sin. I need forgiveness and salvation from my sinfulness. I don't only need to be forgiven for what you see out here. I need to be forgiven by what only God alone can see. I need to be forgiven for my capacity to sin. The thoughts and my motives and my intentions, my ability and capacity to sin, even that needs to be forgiven. When I understand the holiness of God in my life and I realize the sin of my own life and my own heart, I need God to forgive the sinfulness of my sin, the iniquity of my sin. My capacity and my ability to sin needs to be forgiven. The third thing that we see through confession, the confession of the people of God to God not only allows us to acknowledge the destructive nature of sin, not only allows us to realign our standards, but it also reminds us that there is only one path to forgiveness. There is only one true path to forgiveness, the forgiveness that we all long for. Go back to verse 1. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. What happens? Why? Whose sin is covered. You see, it is the covering. It is the covering. The covering of our shame. The covering of our guilt. The covering of our sin. So that there's no more shaming. No more hiding. No more lying. No more running. See, the the forgiveness that you long for, it can only be met in the covering of God. But the question is, how are we covered? What did Jesus do? Jesus was crucified. What was the crucifixion of the Son of God? 
It was an uncovering. The Gospels tell us that they divided his garments among them, meaning they stripped the Son of God naked and nailed him to a cross. And it was on the cross, the cross that nailed our Savior to that cross, that he was fully exposed, that he was uncovered. It was an uncovering to what? To all of the elements of the sun and the rain. It was an uncovering and an exposure to the public humiliation and ridicule. And it was an even a uncovering and exposure to God himself where it caused Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the good news for those that are in Christ is that Christ was ultimately uncovered so that you could forever be covered. So that there would be no more hiding and shaming and lying and running. He was stripped naked and uncovered and exposed. He became defenseless. So that you once and for all could have the ultimate defender. What happens in verse 7 of Psalm 32? It's then and only then David looking forward to the future Messiah that will cover him through his uncovering. And verse 7 says, now you are my hiding place. You see, the reality is this. You are a people that will forever hide. We have been hiding since the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Hiding and running, hiding and running. And the question is, where are you hiding this morning? Will you continue to be hiding and running, trying to cover yourself in exhaustion and fear? Will you begin to manipulate the situation and the circumstances and the people around you? Or will you finally give up and rest and say, God, you alone can cover me. Only you can hide me as I was meant to be hidden, hidden in God, covered by God because Jesus wasn't covered for me. Fuller Seminary, from 1991 to 2007, surveyed 750 Muslims who converted to Christianity. 1991, 2007, 750 Muslim converts from 50 ethnic groups from 30 different countries. They asked them this question, why did you convert from your faith to Christianity? They had answers like this. The treatment of women, the nonviolence, the prayers of other Christians, the conviction from the Bible. But by far, out of the 750 converts that were surveyed, by far, this was the number one reason they converted to Christianity because they said, Your God guarantees me what my God could never guarantee, and that is the forgiveness of sins. Only, only our God through Jesus can offer us and guarantee us the forgiveness that you and I long for. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, people sit in my office all the time and they say one of two things. I'll never have the power to forgive myself and I'll never have the power to forgive someone else. I'll never have the power to forgive a brother. I'll never have the power to forgive a sister. I'll never have the power to forgive my mom or my dad or a friend. And I always respond with the same answer. And you never will. Unless 
You understand the power of God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ on your behalf. Only once you experience the power of God's forgiveness will you wake up and your heart be captured to be the most forgiving person on the face of this earth. Cindy and Chip were married in 1996. And it was 10 years, as Cindy says, of living hell. Chip was never truly engaged in marriage. He was never truly engaged in the relationship. He was the epitome of the, the selfish spouse that never gave, never gave in, never compromised, never showed Cindy any love. And one day, the epitome of selfishness, he just walked out on the family. Well, Chip, through the nasty separation, the pending divorce, grew ill. He went to the hospital and he realized that he was experiencing kidney failure, that he needed immediate assistance, that he needed an immediate kidney transplant. And through much prayer, guess who stepped up to the plate? Cindy. She looked at her estranged husband and said, he doesn't deserve it. Certainly didn't earn it. But she stepped forward. She donated her kidney so that he might live. And as Chip was laying in the hospital, recovering from that surgery, he looked down and he said, I am alive today because of Cindy. No one, no one could ever love me like this. A few months later, they were reconciled. 20 years later, they are happily married together. The reason being, he through being deeply convicted, not earning it, not deserving it, he realized somebody loved him in spite of him. And he went to Cindy, confessed his sin, confessed his wrongdoing, and they were reconciled. And I am here this morning to say that you can only experience the greatness of his forgiveness only once you have Experience the greatness of confessing your sin before God. The greatness that you confess, the greatness of your need to be rescued, the greatness of your need to be saved. You see, that is the power of the cross. And I ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know this man named Jesus who submitted himself to death on the cross, that submitted himself to being fully exposed and uncovered so that you could forever be covered. Are you tired this morning? Tired of running and hiding? Hiding my sin, manipulating my life, manipulating my circumstances. Also, maybe nobody will really know the real me. Well, here is the incredible news. God knows you. He knows everything about you. And for those that are in Christ, the God that knows you, the God that knows everything about you, loves you. Only through his life, only through his death, only through his resurrection can you experience the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness that you long for, to be fully covered by God forever. So that we can say that this promise is our promise, that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his transgressions from us. But that can only come from those that are willing to do this confess with their mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart this morning, this morning, that God raised him from the dead. The promise for you and the promise for me is that you will be saved. You see, there's some here this morning that go, confess. I've never confessed anything to anyone. But the most important confession that can happen in your life is not with the person to your left or to your right. Yes, there might be moms you have wronged and a dad you have wronged, a brother or sister that you have wronged. There might be friends that you have wronged that you need to confess to. But the most important confession that you can make today is the confession you make before God. That God, I am a sinner. God, I have messed up. My life is broken and I am tired this day of running and hiding. I am absolutely exhausted and I need to know from you that through your the death and the resurrection of your son that I can be forgiven. You see, the good news for those that confess Jesus as Lord and Savior is that you can walk out of this place with the assurance of pardon that your sins are forgiven forever. You see, in a world that is desperate, a world that is desperate for authenticity, a world that is desperate for a genuine message and a genuine relationship with God and with others, is there anything more authentic and more genuine than the reality and the good news that God sees me and knows me and knows everything about me and through Jesus loves me? That hope and that promise is for you this morning. Our longing for forgiveness is met with a bold invitation today to confess.